Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to worship today. So glad you're here. Uh, so good to see so many of you. Welcome. This is the house of the Lord, and we are here to bring honor and praise to him. And we're here to be fed by him. He brings the Holy Spirit into our presence so that we can be filled up through the word of God, through the uh, sacrament of Holy Communion today. We're celebrating that. Uh, what we believe about communion is that we are very much in need of God's grace and he offers that to us in the very bread and the wine. We call that real presence. He's truly present in the bread and the wine as he brings his body and blood to us for our forgiveness. And if that is your confession too, then we invite you to join us for the Lord's Supper a little bit later in our service. Uh, we are continuing a series that's called Hall of Faith. We started this just after Labor Day and we'll carry that on through uh, around Thanksgiving time, uh, looking at the women and men of faith who walked by faith with God. And um, in the, mostly in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament, we'll look at some of them. Today is the story of the prophet Elijah, one of my faves. So let's uh, get excited about that. Get excited, people. We're talking about Elijah. This is really great. Um, out in the comments today, if you have not signed up already, next weekend, we are going to be sending hundreds of people out into the community to serve in various places and venues, uh, different projects. Um, many people are signed up already, and we have some volunteers in the commons after worship if you want some assistance with getting signed up, uh, wanted to know a little bit more. Uh, some people I see who are wearing their Faith in Action shirts today, which is a uh, good advertisement, so thank you, well done. And uh, you can get one of those shirts if you sign up to serve with us next weekend for Faith in Action. And then um, coming up in two weeks is our, uh, just right before Halloween, is our Celebration Lutheran Schools Trunk or Treat. This opens to the community. Um, if you want to have a car out in the parking lot here at Celebration, decorated and uh, just have some fun, hand out some candy to kids. We last year had just a steady stream of hundreds and hundreds of kids coming from our community. Uh, and we ran out of candy. We had to go get more. And so we could use donations. If you want to decorate your car, amazing. If you want to bring donations of candy, great. Um, isn't this a great way to celebrate Jesus, right? Just uh, hand out candy to kids. And we'll just have a lot of fun with it. It's uh, just a good time. Uh, that's coming up on the 28th on a Saturday afternoon, uh, October 28th. Um, just a quick note, we are still looking for a facilities manager here at Faith. Um, we have an opening in our staff. There's information in your bulletin about this. And uh, we're looking to hire someone full-time doing maintenance and uh, helping us to manage the facilities, both our Faith Ministry Center and here at Celebration. So if you know someone who might be interested in that kind of a thing and really see it as their ministry, uh, taking care of the buildings to serve people, then Send them our way. We'd love to talk to them about that. Uh, that's the announcements I have. I'm going to hand it over to Eliza and the band. We're going to worship. So uh, let's stand up. This song we just heard in the prelude and uh, rock this out today. Rejoice in the Lord. Shown us gratefully lift up 
have a seat. There's torn up pages in this book Words that tell me I'm no good Chapters that define me for so long But the hands of grace and endless love Dusted off and picked me up Told my heart that hope is never gone God is in this story God is in today before God into his presence with our confession. It's a time for us to, even, in a, even while we're sitting, to take a posture in our hearts of, uh, of brokenness before him, of recognition, acknowledgement, uh, a posture of kneeling before God, a posture of 
laying before him openly because he already knows. So he confessed to the God. Father, God of our hearts, we come to you to repent. Forgive us for what we have done and what we have left undone. We have been fixing our eyes on the things of this world. Forgive us for not focusing our eyes on you alone, Lord. We have left, we have let our fears and our anxieties cause us to not come to you. Forgive us for not leaning on the truth and love of you and your word. Father, we have sinned and need forgiveness. Have mercy on us, O Lord, and cleanse us of our sin. Amen. Personally, I love the way that Isaiah 53 says this about Jesus. Even 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah foresaw this is what Jesus would do for us. We all like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah says, and the Lord laid on him, that is on Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, upon Christ. By his wounds, we are healed. Christ died on the cross for you, crushed for you. And then God raised him from the dead, raised him to glory. By his death, by his resurrection, we have life. So as one of your pastors, it's my absolute privilege to announce that grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven in Jesus and you have new life in him. Let's sing.
once again. So we're going to have this reading from 1 Kings 19 up on the screen, but you also, when you came in, probably saw there's some Bibles on the chairs, and I would love for you just to take out that Bible, or you can pull it up on your phone. If you have your own Bible, you can open that up as well. Um, we're going to be, if you, if you have one of those that's on the chair, it's on page 355. You can follow along with this now. It's also just, you know, when we get to the time of the message, I want to be able to look uh, at the the verses there right in front of you, uh, not just on the screen. So we're going to have from 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 1. 
Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him.
Now for the reading of the gospel, I invite you to stand in honor of our Lord, his word. From Mark chapter eight, beginning at verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. So I don't know if you've sensed this, but it feels like more and more people in our society are choosing to live apart from God. More and more people, it seems, are atheists. They reject even the idea of God. So studies over the last decade have shown that among the millennial generation, that's those who are in their late 20s to early 40s now, the millennial generation, on any given Sunday, 4% of millennials are in church. Less than any generation in the history of the United States, 4% of millennials. It seems like more and more people are choosing to live their lives and shape their lives apart from God. But those who actually study culture are saying that in reality, we are entering into a post-secular age, a post-secular age, which means that more and more people who thought that they needed to live apart from God are finding that they actually cannot live apart from the divine. They can't do without spiritual activity in their lives. They can't do without God. So people all around us are seeking the spiritual, but especially in an age when we are, uh, you know, it's sort of pluralistic, technological, globalized society, more than this, more than any time really in our history, people who are going to look for the spiritual are finding there's a wide variety of faith options out there. This is something that hasn't been true for centuries and never in the United States, really. There are multiple faith options, multiple religions, multiple gods. Now, in what is called the modern era, which was up to about World War II or so, in the modern era, 
The question was, can I believe in God? Now in the postmodern era that we live in, the question is, which God should I believe in? There are so many options, what should I choose? So in our Hall of Faith series, we're talking about this man, Elijah, who was a prophet of God, right? He was, he was a spiritual guide at a time that was not all that unlike our time. People were surrounded by all kinds of gods, all different kinds of faith. And their question was, how do I choose? How do I discern between different truths? How do I choose between these different gods? There's so many options. It's very interesting. We read today, 1 Kings 19, and this is why I want you to actually see it in the Bible. We read 1 Kings 19, but we really have to remember what comes right before 1 Kings 19. You know what came right before 1 Kings 19? 1 Kings 18, of course, yeah. But what is 1 Kings 18? Well, in 1 Kings 18, Elijah, the prophet of the Lord, has thrown down a challenge. He has challenged 850 other prophets, but these are prophets of the God Baal and another God Asherah. These are competing gods in their age. They're vying for the hearts of Israel. Now, at the time, Ahab and Jezebel, the king and queen of Israel, have in essence made Baal worship the official religion of Israel, much to the dismay of God, the anger of God, and to Elijah. And Elijah, I kind of like this because this maybe sounds like something we would say in our age. You know, my God can beat your God. My God can beat your God. That's what he says. So Elijah has this contest in front of thousands of people, 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel, which is in the north of, north of Israel, near the modern city of Haifa. And he calls them, this is sort of like, you know what, I'm gonna rent out Lambeau Field and we're just gonna bring them out, put them on the field with all the people watching from the stands and we're gonna have it out. You call on your God, I'll call on my God. So this is what they do. They set up two altars, right? Um, right down on the field, two altars and two sacrifices. Each one sacrifices the bull and puts the carcass up on the, the wood on the altar. And Elijah calls on the prophets of Baal and Asherah to bring fire down on, on their sacrifice if they could at, at least actually do that. Bring down fire. They call out all morning, all into the afternoon. They're calling on Baal to bring fire from heaven. Nothing happens. And Elijah starts mocking them. Call out louder. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he needs to be awakened, right? Uh, just call louder. They start slicing themselves, mutilating themselves as a sort of a sign of their devotion to Baal. Nothing happens. So Elijah says, my turn. He says, but not just the sacrifice, but bring water. He had servants bring water. 
buckets of water. Pour it on, the, on top of the bowl, on top of the wood, on the top of the altar. And not just once, not just twice, but three times, pour the water on. So the water is actually drenching the sacrifice, drenching the wood, drenching the wood, the, the stone of the altar, drenching the, the ground underneath the altar in a trench around us, filling up. And then he calls on the Lord God. God, would you show up? And what, you know it? Bam, God shows up. Fire from heaven, boom, eats up. Just it completely disintegrates the sacrifice, the wood that's soaking wet, the stone of the altar and the ground licks up all the water and burns up the ground the altar was on. God shows up. Now, essentially, Elijah has done exactly what we would want to do, right? I mean, to prove that God is real and that God exists, we would love to rent out Lambeau Field, stand center stage, and on cue, call out some miracle and make it happen, some spectacular display that would end all doubt. Everybody would see it and they would all know and the word would spread rapidly. The Lord God, and this is what happens, right? All the people were told, bow down on the spot and shout, the Lord, he's God. The Lord, he is God. It's amazing. Now, interestingly, interestingly here's the last verse of 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18, verse 46, right before our reading for today. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Why Jezreel? Well, because that was the capital of Israel at the time. But why go there? This is interesting. Elijah is a marked man. The king and queen of Israel, Ahab and Jezebel, have put a price on his head. And yet Elijah goes to the capital city. I think because Elijah fully expects that now, finally, faith in Yahweh, faith in the Lord will now be the faith of Israel again. Because everybody's seen it. And the word's gonna spread. And thousands of people have seen the, the glory of the Lord. And either... Ahab and Jezebel are gonna to come to repentance or the people are gonna rise up and throw them out. Sort of, you know, I think this is sort of a Alexander Hamilton kind of moment for, uh, for Elijah. I'm not gonna throw away my shot kind of thing. You know, like, I'm, this is it. This is my chance. I'm gonna take it. He runs to Jezreel. But what happens? First Kings 19, verse one. Ahab gets back and tells Jezebel all that Elijah had done in killing the prophets. And then verse two, Jezebel sends a message to Elijah basically saying, may I be struck dead if you're not dead by tomorrow. And Elijah runs away in fear. He runs to the desert I think because now even Elijah is wondering, 
what is up with God? Who is the real God? What is going on here? I mean, Elijah's done everything that you could expect of him. He has brought down fire from heaven, and yet the leaders of Israel are unimpressed. They're unmoved, unfazed. It's like they're yawning. You know, boom, fire from heaven. And Elijah's going, what else can I do? So he runs off to Mount Horeb because he wants to see God. Now, why is he running to Mount Horeb? Why is Horeb called the mountain of God? Many of you might not recognize that name, Horeb, because that's not its most famous name. This mountain had another name, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. It's the mountain of the Lord. Elijah's going to Mount Sinai. And when he gets there, where does he go? Well, this is in 1 Kings 19, verse 9. There, Elijah went into a cave. Now, cave is the way the NIV says it. But the word here is actually a more generic word that means something like a hollow, a cleft in the rock. Hmm. Centuries earlier, Moses went to this same mountain and Moses had said, God, please show me your glory. God, I wanna know who you really are. I wanna see you for what you're really like. And God says, Moses, I'm gonna put you into the cleft of a rock and cover you with my hands until I pass by. You remember this story? Anybody heard this before? Moses is up on the mountain. He's in this cleft of the rock. And now in 1 Kings, we have almost the exact same situation. Elijah goes into the cleft of a rock. And actually many commentators say that it's quite possible that Elijah is in the exact same spot as Moses was centuries earlier. God, I wanna see you pass by. And God says, okay. God shows up on Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. But um, when I say he shows up, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? You heard me read it. I, I don't know of another chapter in the Bible where God shows up in a greater variety of ways. I mean, God shows up in all sorts of ways. First, the angel of the Lord shows up and, you know, gives him, the angel of the Lord cooks for Elijah. <laughs> no lecture, just, you know, presence, food, strength, go on. Then there's a powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Then a violent earthquake and then a fire. Now notice it says, but the Lord was not in the wind and he was not in the earthquake and he was not in the fire, but... These, these are actually from the Lord. It's not coincidence that there's a hurricane and then, uh, then an earthquake and then a fire. They're from the Lord. We can think of actually other times in the Bible 
where God shows up as each one of these things. God showed up like a wind. When, um, when God shows up to Job at the end of the book of Job, when God showed up to the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two, what is he? A wind. When God passed by Moses in Exodus, when God passed by Abraham, Genesis 15, what is he? Fire. When God shows up to the Israelites at Mount Sinai after the Exodus, what is he? An earthquake. So, so the message is not, well, God never is in these things. That's almost like he puts on display all the different ways he can show up. Fire, wind, earthquake. But then perhaps the most surprising of all, after all these, there is the way the King James Version says it, a still small voice. Still, small voice, a gentle whisper. Now, what's going on here? I think that Elijah has tried to put God in a box. <laughs> I think that Elijah had his mind sort of set on how God should show up. He had his plan. Okay, God, bring down fire. And, you know, twice God has asked Elijah, what are you doing here now? What are you doing? And twice Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, but the Israelites have torn down your altars, put the prophets to death, and they're after me too, and I'm the only one left, right? Elijah's expecting that God is gonna show up and show Israel who's boss. And now Elijah's despondent because they haven't responded the way he expected them to. God must not be working. You feel this in your life? God must not be moving right now because nothing big is happening. There's no miracle. There's no movement of God. I think that sometimes you expect God to come in a gentle whisper. He comes as a fire. Sometimes you expect him to come as a fire and he comes like a gentle whisper. You can't put God in a box. God cannot be tamed. He's gonna do what you don't expect. But even more, this gentle whisper is about grace. It's about grace. So check this out. I want you to look at 1 Kings 19.11. Look, look at it in your Bible. 1 Kings 19.11. God tells Elijah in verse 11, go out. But notice that Elijah doesn't do it. He does not go out. It's, it's actually not until verse 13 that Elijah goes out of the cleft in the rock. In between is this hurricane and the earthquake and the fire. But Elijah is not touched by any of those things. He's not harmed. Why not? He's in the cleft of the rock. The rock shields Elijah. The rock is torn up, right? It's torn to pieces before the Lord. The rock is burned up, but not Elijah. The earthquake, the wind, the fire could not touch Elijah because of the rock. 
So on the one hand, God is saying, don't put me in a box, right? Don't look just for the dramatic. Mount Carmel is not usually the way that things happen. You thought the fire would get people's attention and it hasn't. But then comes this word, gentle whisper. And it's like God is saying, you really wanna know what's gonna penetrate people's hearts? It's not the miraculous. It's my voice, my word. You look at this Bible and it doesn't seem like all that much. Faith takes hold of the fact that it is God's voice speaking and not outdated, very real for us today. Don't look for signs and wonders. Listen to my word. Listen to my voice. And then that word is a word of grace. Do you know, um, so why, why Elijah was not destroyed on that mountain when the wind and the earthquake and the fire came? And what are, what are those things? The wind, the fire, the earthquake. They're actually signs of God's judgment power, but they don't destroy Elijah because of the rock. Now, centuries later, Jesus brought Moses and Elijah to a different mountain, brought them back from heaven, and was on the mountain of transfiguration. Jesus, Moses, in Elijah. And Moses and Elijah are able to look at the rock that protected them. Jesus took the earthquake. Remember when Jesus died, what happened? Earthquake shook the whole place. Why? Because Christ was shaken with the justice of God so that we would not be shaken. Jesus Christ inherited the wind. Do you know this is an expression from the Bible? He inherited the wind. This means like uh, the book of Proverbs says, he who troubles his own house inherits the wind. This means like, it's like a curse. You bring a curse upon yourself. Jesus inherited the wind so that we would have the gentle whisper of God's voice saying, you are mine my beloved. Jesus is the protection. You only know this by faith. You only trust it because God has given us this gift of trusting him. That he came to bear the judgment of God because he was torn apart for us. We get the gentle, graceful word of life you're mine, you're forgiven, you're made new. Amen? This time we're gonna bring our offerings to the Lord. Our ushers will bring baskets through and 
It's an opportunity for you to give if that is what you desire and the Spirit so moves you to give for the work of the church here at Faith. There are other ways to give too, of course, um, through online giving, through um, texting, mailing it in, however you'd like to do that. But however you give, we just thank you so very much for your work and allowing us to share this gospel truth of Jesus as our rock of protection. Beauty that 
Gracious God, our beautiful Savior, our joy, and our crown. Thank you for shielding us in Christ from all the, the wrath and disaster, judgment, the justice which you would bring upon the earth had not been for your justice being poured out on Christ who was crushed for us torn apart for us. God, help us to come and take refuge in that place where Elijah found refuge, and that is in the rock, who is Christ. Whatever it is that we are experiencing today, whatever we've brought into worship, our concerns, our joys, our frustrations, and our celebrations, we lay them before your throne and we trust that you hear us. We trust that you hear us on behalf of Kathy Searle, who is recovering from surgery. And we thank you. We pray that you continue to give her strength through the rehabilitation process over the next several months. We pray for Bob Benz and Jerry Vanden Heuvel, who will be having surgery this week. Pray for strength, physical strength, but especially strength of faith trust in you, to be patient in you, to wait upon you. May they hear your still small voice speaking comfort. We pray the same, Lord, for those who are grieving, that they would know your voice of comfort and peace in the midst of turmoil and sadness that even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they would fear no evil for you are with them. We pray for the innocents caught up in the conflict of the Middle East. Pray for the residents of Israel, the residents of Gaza. We pray that you would bring healing, a restoration instead of division. Lord, in the midst of it all, we pray that your people would hear you speaking, that they would turn to your word for guidance and wisdom, for strength, for hope. God, for all who long for your coming, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. For all those who are celebrating today, those who are remembering birthdays and anniversaries, we rejoice in you, Lord. Thank you as the giver of all of our gifts. 
Thank you for Rob and Lindsay Beyer who are celebrating their 20th anniversary today. Thank you for all others who are marking anniversaries, baptismal birthdays, birthdays, and all the other celebrations of life. We pray that you would be with us as we approach your table of mercy to receive the body and blood of Christ today in the bread and the wine given to us in Holy Communion. We pray that we would have faith to take hold of your promises here and forgiveness, life, and salvation in the name of Jesus as we take and eat, as we take and drink. We taste and see that you are good. All these prayers today, Lord, we bring to you in the name of Jesus, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you now to turn to one another in peace and greet one another in the Lord as you're worshiping together today and then come. Our Lord has his meal ready for you.
may this body and blood of our Lord Jesus continue to strengthen you in faith. Know that you're forgiven and go in God's peace. Please stand. And go with the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. Let's sing one last song.